to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's weird brunch Oh, I just can't live without this marijuana in Mm -hmm. me At all times There she is Hi Hi, pretty chestnut Get in the light, the backlit Oh, She'll figure it out. She'll she learn. Will. She'll mature. All women find their light one day. Yeah, I'm looking for Dang. rapidly fading. No, what? <laughs> rapidly fading personal light. I meant that literally, but yeah, I guess that's true too. Um. <laughs> I mean, we're all way past our prime. Mm-hmm. That's true. My prime is 16. Dang, 16. I feel like mine was probably like 24-ish. I don't know. Good prime. That's a good prime. Not a prime number at all. The opposite. That's Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just know I'm (laughs) old and throw up my back unplugging things from the wall. So it's fine. Oh, what I didn't do wow. that today, but oh. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Oh. Those three prong fuckers. You know? <laughs> Just yeah. so hard to get out of the wall. Really, I don't know why. It. Why did they do that to us? Also, I don't are know. we going to lose power? <laughs> that's, you know, that's what I'm wondering. And like, my, if we lose power because ERCOT who most people who listen to this know is the Texas part of Disney world energy. Yeah. Her caught part of Disney world also runs Texas's energy grid. <laughs> Power grid has message sent the, sent out the call to action for all Texans to reduce using electricity as much as they can all the way through what Monday of next week or something, at least Friday yes. of this week. Because we are suffering through a bout of average temperatures. Yes. For this our, time of year. Our super, not even the hottest, even close we're going to get. So, I God mean, damn. how? It's like a good 15 degrees less than it has been. Yeah. Before. If how the brownouts it... happen, we'll just go to Arkansas early. If the brownouts happen, you guys will never see me again. I am. <laughs> I will move anywhere. Yeah. Come with me. Okay. Oh, that's true. It's probably really pleasant in Chicago right now, huh? 73 degrees. Dang. Looked it up during my walk with Dang. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good time to look that up. Yeah. What changed between last year and this year that um, Epcot's trying to kill us? I think more people moved here is the official response, but I think- also just... There's a conspiracy. I think they're being forced to kind of be more transparent with the public or something like, cause it's, it's amazing to me that we've never really heard like ever any of this stuff from ERCOT Mm -hmm. or maybe it's the fact that everyone's so hyper aware of ERCOT's existence now that this stuff could have been happening for the past, however many years and nobody really knew it because you know, who's following ERCOT before the snowpocalypse happened. Right. I mean, Karina was, but she's a fucking nerd, dude. Yeah. I worked, my first job out of college was working for a magazine 
called. Oh, no, not my first job out of college. One of my early jobs when I was 24 in my prime was for a magazine called Power Magazine. And we covered power plants. And yeah. all the power plants had to register their impact on the grid. And so I was constantly staring at maps of the United States, the continental United States. It's all lit up with red lines except for Texas, which was a black hole labeled ERCOT. Mm -hmm. Because the power plants weren't allowed to send any electricity into ERCOT. It might be regulated. Ah! Mm. But anyway, then the western part of the uh, state seceded. <laughs> so now, like, if you live in El Paso, you're right, because you're on a regular electrical grid in a first world country. See, there we'll just go mm -hmm. to El Paso, where where dreams come true, mm -hmm. where nothing wrong ever happens. Nothing <laughs> wrong happens in El Paso. Why do Ooh. we? Why do we have to live like this? Dude, freedom just as a like as a as a people <laughs> like I, what i swear to god don't you feel the freedom i feel freedom like I, feel freedom I you know we're all well karina you're not technically but you've been here for a long time like we're from texas like never in my whole life have i ever really been like maybe i should actually move out of this state like <laughs> It's been like a, oh, I would if I had a cool job or something yeah. like that. But I've never yeah. felt like a possible urge to actually move based on what the government is doing to yeah. us in Texas. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's sad. And can't someone just wheel Abbott off the side of a cliff? Please. Probably just be paralyzed from the neck down and still be governor. God damn it. Like, right. He'd be like, that didn't even hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He'd be like, man. <sighs> I didn't even feel it. Well, I feel like we should say congrats to our friend Sharna who passed oh, her yeah. citizenship test today <laughs> from true. Australia. She is now oh. going to have, I think dual citizenship maybe. Yeah, but um, it's funny talking about how much better Australia is, and she's mm -hmm. a citizen as of today. Welcome. So, welcome. To this. Now, was it a citizen of the United States or just Texas? Does Texas have its own citizenship? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, no. I bet. I don't I think we should now. <laughs> I mean,. We all have to know the Texas Pledge, and I don't know any other states that have their own fucking Pledge of Allegiance. I know, right? So, man. I almost did a Texas story today about the origin of the word maverick and, oh. the, and the rancher from Texas who started it all. I mean, Mel Gibson. Yeah, it was Mel Gibson. That and then I, his last cool. name was Maverick. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty fucking cool. But then I read the ERCOT news, and I was like, fuck it, no. Right. Is he like a, was he like a Texas Ranger or something? I don't know. I just imagine. It's also not a very interesting story. He's one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He, he, his last name was Maverick. That's his actual last name. And he became famous because he refused to brand his cattle. And so they started to call any unbranded cow a Maverick cow. Mm. So it became like a thing for like cows that just do whatever they want. Got it. Hell yeah. Yeah. And his great grandson uh, killed a bill in the legislature to make being a communist subject to the death penalty. Oh, oh. I mean, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, he killed it. 
by adding to the bill that if you were suspected of being a communist, it was life in prison. And then the Republicans were like, well, wait, I can see how that would go wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's just get rid of it. Let's just pretend we didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Which I wish we had done with some other bills. Like maybe this recent abortion bill could have been like, if you think about getting an abortion, then you have to renounce your membership in the Republican right. Party. Or something. When's the women can only have sex with the intention of procreating. Yes. New law. Sign women, it in. Women can't have abortions and men can't have sex. There, pass that bill. I would, I would Done. be in favor of that bill. Yeah. I would, I would sign. You know, that. I really mm-hmm. would. A couple I'm weeks sure the ago, the lesbian caucus would be all there. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we fixed the housing or the homeless mm-hmm. crisis in Austin. Mm-hmm. Today, we're fixing all like abortion mm-hmm. problems and all that. So we're really humanitarians. I, I feel like Basically. I feel like I should say this just for the sake of a 50-50 coin toss on how much of a dick I'm going to sound like by the time this comes out. But I'm so cold in this room because of my <laughs> AC is running. <laughs> and it just it keeps coming out of nowhere, the cold. But I mean, what is your thermostat actually set to? Do you know? Mm-hmm. What I is don't it? know if I should, well now I feel like I'm on trial. I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I'm if on you trial. Tell me yours. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> well, okay. okay. One, two, three. Seven, seventy-six. Seven, six. Okay, so we all did fine. All the but, same three degree range. Yeah. Um Urcot asking. 78 isn't terrible, but like keeping our houses at 78 in this heat is just basically means the AC is running 75% of the time anyways. So I don't know. Well, whoever built my house built it so that the central air conditioning only went into one room. So if I set it colder than 78, then that room becomes 53. Mm-hmm. So like, that's my own. I'm, I'm not a hero. I'm literally like, just, I just go to that room and, and mm-hmm. I'm fine. So it's set to 78, but I'm probably running it at like a 60. Right. I loved their suggestion to turn your thermostat up to like 82 when you're asleep. That was oh, another no. way. And it's like, no, that's when you need it to be the yeah. coldest. Like yeah. I fucking sweat at night. I'm a hot sleep. I think most people are hot sleepers. Like, fuck you. Every Not time. Not the lizard people. Oh, they love this shit, fucking mm-hmm. psychos. Every time we would leave the house, my mom would turn the AC to 82. Every time, whether it was 30 minutes or like hours. Wow. And we would, so when we came home, it, we always had to wait for like <sighs> an hour before it started feeling like a home. <laughs> That's that's like getting in your car and waiting for the engine to be mm-hmm. ready enough for cold air to blow out, except it's a whole house and it yeah. it doesn't take like five minutes. It takes like a really long time. It does. It did. It did. It was cruel. Sorry. But they saved money, I guess. And mm-hmm. they're the king and queen of ERCOT now. Dang. Oh. Do you get a sash? Yeah. Like, oh, no, you get nothing other get than just the title. Special treatment? Because 
I, I could go for some of that. Because <laughs> I love special I treatment. I love special treatment. I do. Who doesn't? Uh, well, well, thanks for tune. Welcome to Weird Brunch. I had a stroke, a heat stroke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Heat I'm, stroke. I'm Lisa Friedrich. I, Karina Macyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Whitney right. Lamont. No, it's fine. Just make fun of me. I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm the one who's actually had a stroke. So maybe you're you making fun of me. You got us beat. That's true. Mm-hmm. I love that meme that's going around and it's like, so you're calling me a bitch? Well, you better put sensitive in front of it. And oh, that's sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just got yeah. the chills again from my cold, cold room. Your cold, cold house. It's so cold. Well, we should probably let Lisa go first before she freezes to death. I mean... In the Arctic chill. I sure can. We've kind of been talking about it this whole time. Oh, really? I mean, we've touched on it a few times. Okay. Yeah. Do it. What have we been touching? I want to Yeah, know. right? Well, I just wanted to talk about uh, Norma McCorvey. Okay. Who we've <laughs> totally talked about. Whatever. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> uh, so Norma Lee Nelson, she's born on September 22nd, 1947. Her father left when she was 13. Her mother is an abusive alcoholic. As a matter of fact, in 2013, her mother told Vanity Fair, I beat the fuck out of her. You can only take so much of nerviness. She was wild, wild. Wild. It has been years and you're like, I beat the fuck out of her. Um, McCorvey was uh, desperate to get out. So she actually robbed a gas station as a child and then became a ward of the, uh, a ward of the court in a Texas boarding school. Uh, and then five years later, a male relative took her in and then repeatedly oh. uh, r- raped her. So at 15, she attempts an escape again. Uh, and this time she's 15. She meets this 21-year-old named Woody McCorvey. Uh, oh. Oh. And <laughs> I don't like that name. I know. Uh <laughs> And she was oh she was working as a roller skating car hop, which I love that that I mean that was back when like that was new. Um, within a year, they're married, and then uh, she soon gave birth to their first child. Um, and after that, she, Woody starts beating her, uh, so she leaves him, and then she starts abusing drugs and alcohol. And she announces she is a lesbian. Uh, Shortly after that, her mother successfully filed for legal custody of McCorvey's first child. Um, McCorvey became uh, pregnant a second time by an unknown father and placed that child up for adoption. In 1969, Norma McCorvey became pregnant for the third time. She didn't. Yeah. 
She didn't want to have another baby, but Texas had just shut down abortion clinics mm-hmm. in oh, Dallas. Uh, there it is. Uh, there it is. So February 1970, McCorvey reaches out to an adoption lawyer, um, and that adoption lawyer referred her to Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington. And they are recent law graduates looking to test this uh, abortion law with Texas. So they filed a lawsuit on her behalf, which called her Jane Roe. Oh, Roe v. Wade. <laughs> yep. Oh, there we go. Yep. Uh, three years later, it, would, it took three years for the case to reach the Supreme Court. So by then, Norma McCorvey had already had her baby and given up the child for adoption. Um, the her pseudonym of Jane Roe was used as the land like in this court case. But Norma McCorvey was uh, really disengaged from the proceedings because uh, at this point she's like, well, this didn't help me get what I wanted. I still had to give birth like with this and mm-hmm. um, and let's see, Sarah sat right across the table from me at Columbo's Pizza Parlor and I didn't know that she had had an abortion herself. McCorvey is relaying you know what she had gone through with these uh with these women um that she was working with when i told her how desperately i needed one she could have told me where to go for it but she wouldn't because she needed me to be pregnant for her case it was one of the most hideous times of my life oh Mm. that sucks a lot yeah it does uh, during the case, Coffee and Weddington argued that the con- it was uh, the constitutional right to privacy extended to pregnant women who chose to terminate their pregnancies. McCorvey uh, didn't, you know, hear those arguments in court. She didn't go to any of the hearings. Uh, she learned about the ruling in the newspaper. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Not long after that, McCorvey like pops out and she's like, I was Jane Rowe. Uh, and she was like, I wanted to have an abortion because I was unemployed and depressed. I was Jane Rowe. Uh-huh. Uh, at first, that, McCorvey. That was probably a bad thing to tell people. I don't, you know. Mm. <sighs> I think it was, I mean, it worked out okay for a while. Yeah. Uh, at first she threw her weight behind the pro-choice movement that celebrated her as Jane Roe. She would appear at pro-choice events and worked at abortion clinics. Um, and through it all, however, uh, she struggled to reconcile her identity, uh, with that of Jane Roe. So, you know, they're the same person, but they're also very much not, uh, mm-hmm. One was one woman was simply someone who wanted to terminate a pregnancy. The other was the face of a movement. Uh, she has a memoir that came out in 94 and she um, recalls this sleepless night where um, I thought about myself and Jane Rowe. I realized that she was a big part of me and that I would probably never get rid of her. She and I would have 
to come to some sort of agreement eventually and do things together. It's kind of that's weird. Mm-hmm. That is, to she me, that's kind of she it, could I, abort Jane Roe from her life. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And then by 1995, McCorvey had backed away from the pro choice movement in a turnaround that shocked many of her supporters. She became a prominent anti abortion activist. I knew that. Yeah. And so she spent the the next several years trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. And she said, uh, I'll be serving the Lord and helping women save their babies. Uh, I will hold a pro-life position for the rest of my life. I think I've always been pro-life. I just didn't know it. Okay. Uh, How political opinions work, but okay. Yeah. I mean, well, the Lord is usually involved in political opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. and touchdowns in football games that's Mm -hmm. that's the only if the lord isn't there where is he how did those points get scored yeah uh so she petitioned uh to overturn it she testified in front of congress and joined pro-life protests um, so many, obviously, who saw her as a heroic figure were like, what the actual fuck? Uh, and then shortly before she died in 2017, Norma McCorvey made a confession. She was <gasps> pro-choice. Oh, no. Her whole, yes. whole time. Yes. Did she, did, she, did she take them down from the inside? Did she drop any deets? Did she drop any hot goss? Well... She she did say that she had only joined it, but the pro life movement because she was paid to do money, so. Money, money, money! I knew it. Why else would you do it? Uh, she said, "This is my deathbed con- uh, confession." Uh, she said she was never against abortion. She said that in one of her last interviews, quote, I took their money and they put me out in front of the camera and told me what to say, and that's what I'd say. Okay. In fact, throughout her life, she never felt fully comfortable with either side of the abortion debate. Uh, neither side was ever willing to accept her for who she was. To pro-life conservatives, uh, McCorvey's lesbianism, she lived with her partner for... Ism? Why? Uh, lived with her partner for 35 years before they split... You know, to the pro-life conservatives, that was a problem. Uh, And then she never felt comfortable with the upper class and educated activists who filled the ranks of the pro-life movement. I wasn't good enough for them. She once said, I'm a street kid. And then on a uh, personal level, this one, this is really, this is so fucking sad. (laughs) This is so sad. Um. McCorvey struggled to understand her own feelings about abortion. And at one point she worried, quote, the playgrounds are all empty and it's because of me. Oh, oh no. She's just oh going to the wrong playgrounds. God. Yeah. No, that's urban. That's uh, that's, but, that's suburb. That's white flight. That's what, that's what happened there. It's different. That's oh, racism. Just ripped my heart out. Not your fault. 
Uh, we got plenty of kids out here. Plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and then by the end of her life, she did come to terms with her identity as Jane Roe. Um, she said women have been having abortions for thousands of years. If it's just the woman's choice and she chooses to have an abortion, then it should be safe. Roe v. Wade helped save people's lives. She said if a young woman wants to have an abortion, that's no skin off my ass. Mm-hmm. That's what. <laughs> that's why they call it choice. And that uh-huh. is the story of Jane Roe. Hmm. That is I feel a lot more twisted learned. than I thought. Mm-hmm. And all of that was uh, allthingsinteresting.com. All there you it, go. So. Uh, but, I do uh, remember the Republicans being like, Roe she doesn't even, she's not even pro-choice anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I'm glad to know deathbed confession. I love a good, a good DBC, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know me. You know me, DBC. Well, uh, well, shit, if we're going to do pioneering court cases in the LGBT space, I, I, I kind of got a story Ooh, do it. about exactly that. As uh, Fred Durst would say, keep rolling, 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 rolling. I keep. Um, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm big, so wines. I'm, sorry, that? I'm just, I'm real into reminiscing about Limp Biscuit lately. Yep. Are, are we going? That's the question. Are we going to Lala for it? I'm, I want to. Karina, will you already be up in Chicago by then? When is it? When's Lala? Uh, first-ish weekend of August. That's exactly what I'm moving there. So she's yes. like, "You can help me move." <laughs> yeah, you can carry furniture, and then you can go, and then we'll go see Fred Durst. I would. That sounds like a strong weekend. <laughs> yeah, that does. That sounds like a very strong weekend. Oh, oh, hold on. We've got potty break time. So we're going to roll the clocks back from Jane Roe by about 350 years. Quite a few years. Yeah, quite a few. um, To Newcastle upon Tyne in England, because that's how they name their cities there. Mm -hmm. When a child was born sometime around 1603, and uh, she was named Thomasine Hall. Uh, became no. skilled. Oh, hold on. No, she wasn't uh, yeah. named Thomason. <laughs> you better not say that. <laughs> Sorry, we're yelling at the dog. Um, she became skilled in traditional women's crafts, such as needlework. And at the age of 12, was sent to London to live with her aunt and lived there. Uh, for 10 years, so until the age of 22. And, uh, and in, the 19, in the 1620s, there came a war. So she wanted to go fight in that war. So what she did was put on men's clothing. She moved it. Cut her hair and followed her brother into the military service. She served the military in England and in France and then returned to Plymouth and supported themselves 
back by going into um, women's clothing and the name Thomasine and uh, making bone lace and other needlework. And then in 1627, put on men's clothing again and left for Jamestown as an indentured servant. What is going on, right? So it uh, goes to the small settlement of, oh, this is this is a Lisa word, uh, Warasquiyaki. I don't know what that's a Lisa word. That's a <laughs> well, it's the kind of words that show up in, yeah. in, in your stories and make you feel bad. Warasquiyaki, Virginia, a village of less than 200 people founded on the site of an old Indian village on the James River. Two tobacco plantations were there. Tobacco planters were like, we need workers, and they preferred hiring men. So now it's Thomas Hall again. In early 1628, just a few months later, Hall was arrested um, on the charge of stealing things from the person that they were that Hall was living with, John and Jane Tyos. Claimed that Hall had How encouraged the neighbor T Y O S. Okay. Old timey names. His claim that Hall. Uh, had encouraged a neighbor to commit the theft and then uh, sell the stolen goods to Hall. And the property was found at the Tyos's house. Hall was like, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't me. But uh, this kind of made the village start to pay more attention to Hall. And what they noticed is that all day long, Hall would work as a male in um, the plantation and then put on women's clothing to go to the town to get supplies for doing Needlework. Um, or that was the people, thing people assumed. Now that Hall's got all this attention, uh, thanks to the theft charge, villager asked, why do you wear women's clothes sometimes? And Hall replied, and I'm going to just do a direct quote, I go in women's apparel to get a bit for my cat. Which I guess apparently is 17th century slang for uh, getting laid. Oh, so, yeah, Hall would put on women's clothing and go to town and fuck some men. Okay. That seems right. like worse, I mean, punishable-wise back then than just being like, yeah, I'm cross-dressing to get there or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, apparently that's okay. Fucking the men was okay. However, sometimes when presenting as Thomasine, Hall was rumored to be having sexual relations with women. Oh, no. Including what the former governor of Virginia, Richard Bennett, uh, apparently alleged that Hall fucked his maid, Great Bessie. That's her name, Ooh, Great Bessie. I like Great Great Bessie. Great Bessie. Okay, Love so it. can I? Yes. So they think that she is an actual male who is dressing as a woman to get supplies. Right, and then going and boning men, men and, and women. women. But mm-hmm. in fact, she is a woman dressing as a man. Well, here you have the the thing. This this okay. village of about two hundred people in the sixteen twenties was was coming up against. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> so, <laughs> however, now that there was an accusation of having sex with a woman as a woman, it was now a crime. Either way, well, yeah. because if it was, uh, sure. if, if Hall is a woman, that is um, I- illegal. Gay. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if Hall is a male, there's a law against sexual misconduct with a servant. So either way, 
fucking great Bessie was a no no. Ew. <coughs> Double T. Oh. That past sucks, right? Sucks. So Hall's all pissed and says, hey, this chick named Alice Long's been spreading rumors. Uh, and that started with the Tyoses. The Tyoses have had it out for me ever since this theft thing. But people are like, like wh- whatever, whatever. Look, we name. don't really care who you fucked. We just want to know, are you a boy or a girl? And Thomas is like, Thomasina Hall. Hall's like, both? Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, that's not legal. You have to be one or the other. So, But they didn't have a court or a church or anything in certain in, in the sense of an authority in this two tobacco plantation little place. So what the authority decided to do, by which I mean like the rich people in town, mm-hmm. was that they would send uh, the married women of the village who claim experience interpreting the female body by giving like midwives basically to go check it out. So what we have here, what? we have one rich guy in town who's like, that's a woman. I, I fucked her. It was a woman. I did it. And they're like, okay, well, we need to check that. So we're going to send some women to look. And these three women have seen a lot of pussy. So they'll, they'll know. Mm-hmm. So they send Alice Long, the rumor spreader, Dorothy Rhodes, who's somebody else, and Barbara Hall, no relation. And they go and they examine Hall's anatomy. However, Hall wasn't exactly, um, she didn't consent to this. And they didn't mm-hmm. have a court, so they couldn't force her. So what they did was they snuck into her home while she slept And, quote, observed Hall's genitalia. They peeked. While she was passed out. They did a peek. They came back and they said, quote, Hall lacks a readable set of female genitalia. And uh, they said, basically, Hall's a man. And then they uh, go to Hall's plantation master, John Atkins, to say, look, that was a man, but you're a man. So can you go double check? You, you probably know what's up better than we do. 1620s, th- this mm-hmm. is how they worked. That bitch so had Atkins, a strap on. Atkins previously had fucked Hall, so he was like, I'm pretty sure, but he's like, you know what? Okay, I'll go. And he goes in there, he sneaks in her room while Hall's asleep and says, yeah, I saw a small piece of flesh protruding from the body. Hall claims at this point, no, 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 no. I have female anatomy. And described it as a piece of a hole. Actually, let me spell that. A P-E-E-C-E of an hole. That's the correct quote. Um, but Atkins, a woman, claimed that there was no evidence of the hole. Everybody's confused. Where's so Atkins the hole? says, you know what? You have to wear men's clothing all the it's time. Like- you're a man. We've all decided you're a man and you're a man. And Hall's like, oh, shit. Now I can't get laid. This sucks and like gets really mad. And so the villagers are like, fuck this. We can't figure this out. We're going to go to Jamestown. So they take the case to Jamestown. They go to an appeals court, basically. Ew. <laughs> where, Hall was, where Hall was closely examined by a priest. Oh, okay. And the determination was that Hall was, as you've guessed at this point, very intersex. Very intersex. intersex. Yeah. Very intersex. A man and a woman. Mm -hmm. So this was not unknown to the 1620s. They were pretty stupid, but hermaphrodite type of gender had been around since the Greeks. It was a known thing. 
the law though was tricky at this time. So the law said that if you were born with both genitalia, you had to present legally with the genitalia that was like more there. Biggest. So like, yeah, you got more of a wang than you're a man. You got more of a badge. You're a woman. Hall really like threaded that needle, just split that right down the middle. And Hall's whole thing was like, look, I've got both, but the dick don't work. So I fuck like a girl because that's the only way I can get my, what did she say? A bit for my cat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The cat bit. The cat bit. That makes sense. Did, did they have like boobs at all? I, it's it's not I mean, mentioned. I know it was back then, so who knows? It's just that apparently in the 1600s, that was not like a, a body part of interest. So nobody mentions it. Anyway, you know, these were all fucking Puritan. They're not supposed to be fucking at all, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the court's problem. It's like, well, we still have to punish you for having sex. That's important <laughs> to do. So they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to punish you and we're going to follow the law in regards to your gender identity. And they said, you must go clothed in men's apparel, but your head has to be in a bonnet and you have to wear an apron too. In other <laughs> words, you have to dress like both. <laughs> what? Oh, that's yes. wild. That was the legal um, decision. Hall had to wear men and women's clothing at all times. Nothing further is known about Hall's life at all. When they died, how they lived, what happened from there, that's it. Because a fire in a courthouse burned the rest of the court transcript after the verdict. So, bummer. Anyway, that is uh, the story of the first known intersex person in America. Because this, of course, dates back to the very first British colony. So right there from the very start amongst the the rest of the tobacco colonists was Thomasine Hall, um, who made the most of being intersex and kind of got to do both things and uh, worked on a plantation and did needlework and got laid and right? really fought in the army laid. and had embraced life. both sides yeah. of it. Yeah. Probably better than most people would be at doing that. Yeah. And totally owned it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people would ask, be like, I'm both. And like, well, why are you dressed as a woman? I want to get laid. You know, right. like, that's that's pretty good for the yeah. 1620s. So, you know, uh, truly. Yeah, like, uh, that's, sorry. Pioneer. Yeah. It's well, just yeah. like, it's such a cool way to be like, oh, it's like you can have everything. Mm-hmm. Sure. And like knowing, I assume they knew back then that like pregnancy wasn't going to be an issue. So yeah, go get fucked however you want. That, I mean, no, see, it's a, for Thomasine, right? Wouldn't it? Well, like, no, let's not misconstrue this court ruling. They definitely weren't like, you go girl. Boy. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> they they were like, we're going to punish you and embarrass you by forcing you to declare your intersex status at all times so you can't get away with tricking men and fucking mm. you anymore. Mm. And they that made was her, the reason for the punishment. Did that yeah. look like a crazy person too? Probably, I'm sure somebody. Know. Yeah, we don't know. It's kind of a scarlet letter situation, though. Um, so, was the intent behind the punishment? Now, Thomasine Hall seemed to take shit like this in stride. So, for all yeah. we know, Hall were loud and proud, and you know, 
or it seemed or okay not. with moving and was just like, fine, I'll go somewhere better. Probably. Hopefully. Yeah. I definitely think the whole, like, why did they go to Jamestown gets answered by this? Like, mm. oh, well in America, there's only a couple hundred people around. I can kind of get away with doing what I want. Yeah. Whereas in Britain, eh. but apparently she had, they had, I don't know, you know, there's no record of which right. gender to use here. Um, Enough of a wang to get into the military because they did pretty. They they did inspect you for the military head to toe. So, hmm. oh, yeah. But I it mean, wouldn't. It wouldn't do anything. It was just yeah. decorative. It was a decorative wang. And she probably peed out of it. I I don't know. Maybe not. Oh, you not know. Maybe not. That's true. Maybe not. Yeah. <sighs> Dang, I I got questions. I we'll never know. know. I There's no pictures, no other records. We don't even know how long they lived. It's pretty sad, actually. I wish we knew more. Lisa, are you okay? I was going to see if uh, uh, if we could take just five minutes. I'm about to piss myself. Five oh, minutes yeah. to pee? That's a long It'll time. It'll be two. It'll okay. be two. I mean, if you got to take a big doo-doo, God. just say it. Just go. <laughs> should have thought of that when you had your freezing maybe that's what is helping her need to pee. I don't know. I don't know. I I really don't have feelings about it. I just felt like picking on her. How is Thomas seen spelled? Like Thomas with Mm -hmm. an I N E at the end. Okay. So there is an E because I love the name Thomason Mm -hmm. from the witch. That was like the first time I heard that name and I was like, right. oh, it's so cool sounding. Well, and I think that's where the parents were going with that whole thing was mm-hmm. Thomas. Son thing? of Thomas, but a girl. Thomasette. Yeah, exactly. It right? was a gender neutral name for the times, that which were extremely, extremely gendered. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was fascinating that they ran into the problem of since gender roles were legalized, like you literally could or could not do certain things based on your gender that they had to make a determination. Right. It's kind of so silly. Yeah. Good thing. (laughs) Nobody cares now. (laughs) Oh yeah. No one cares about that. No. What a bummer. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. My allergies are killing me. I know that. I keep thinking I'm about to start sneezing. So all apologies. <laughs> um, did you see? I don't know if you would have seen this, but I thought of you when we announced this show last week. We announced Soul Asylum with oh local with local H and Juliana Hatfield. And I was like, Oh my God, I wonder if Karina would love this show. You'll um, be gone well, by then, but the Juliana Hatfield part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remembered you well, liked her. I did. I'm not a big soul asylum. Fan, I don't know if people are, you know, and then I had to look up local H and I already forgot the song that they sing, but, You'd know it. Well, everybody would know it. It was a big popular song. Okay. Does anybody know? I feel like one of y'all would know it off the bat. God damn it. I don't. Um, Yeah. 
Thanks Honestly, for not being Lisa. Well, branding wise, Local H isn't maybe necessarily the catchiest name to mm-hmm. remember. No, Soul not- Asylum, great. It's true. Um, and Runaway Train, great song. I loved that. Okay, so let's get back to the fucking business. If everyone's done doing their business, <laughs> I am. Thanks for waiting the you know 30 I mean. minutes. It did. We had to cut out a lot of time there. Y'all might not have noticed it because Karina's editing is wonderful. So the 30 minutes it took Lisa to diary out whatever was in her butt is cut. <laughs> or replace with diarrhea noises for 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I'll see so how I feel. That would I be did so record funny. it on my phone. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's sweet of you. real sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So my story is going to be kind of smack dab in the middle of y'all's two age wise. Uh, we're going to night or 1884, not 1984. That would be more fun probably, but Mm. we're going to talk about an ill fated yacht called the mignonette, which I love the word mignonette. If Anybody's familiar with it? That's the fun little things that you'd like dip your oysters in and shit. If you, yeah, uh, oh, you know the like vinegar, yeah, do that and you put on the. Anyways, Minionette. So the Minionette is this yacht. It's bought by uh, this rich dude or whatever, and he's like, okay, well, like I'm rich, I don't want to like move this yacht that I bought up in like Portugal all the way down South to South Africa, Cape town. Like I'm not fucking doing that. I'm going to hire some guys to move my, to ship my ship for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You ship. I mean, that sounds exhausting. You ship.com. You you, 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 you ship.com. So on May 19th, 1884, Four men set sail from Southampton in a small yacht in the sea. There she goes. They're heading to Cape Town. She's been three hours to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So everyone on this ship or on this yacht, is, I shouldn't call it a ship, definitely a yacht. Um, they're sure. all experienced seamen. Um, you know what I mean the new owner is actually in Australia but they are going from Madeira Portugal which is basically at the very top uh, west side of Africa almost out Mm -hmm. in the island and then they're going to take it all the way down to the tip of Africa where Cape Town is in South Africa and then they're going to hop over to Australia that's the idea it's going to fucking take forever this is a long trip Okay. Um, the semen, they're out there. Shit's, <laughs> you know, they're in the ocean yeah. sailing mm. away. Little did they know that they were about to hit a really bad storm. Would you say they were about to be swallowed by that storm? They, swallowed by a squaw. Right mm-hmm. or squall. squall. Oh Sorry. wow! Yeah, mm. squall. Sorry, <laughs> that was close. Yes, didn't <laughs> mean there. the first word. Um, the Minionette's mm. captain is a guy named Tom Dudley. He's thirty-one years old, very able-bodied yachtsman. Uh, in the crew were Ned Brooks, a mate Edwin Stevens, 
both seasoned seamen. Uh, and then they had their fourth member, cabin boy, Richard Parker, who was 17 years old. He's making his first voyage on the open sea, but he had, yes. The guy named Dick, what's that last name again? Parker. Dick Parker? Richard Parker? Not all Richards are dicks. Well, he was a kid. He's 17. He's a, he's a dick Parker. He's a dick Parker. He's 17. He's having, you know, but despite and being... He's not a, what? Right. He's, he's just a cabin boy. It sucks. He's just a cabin boy. I mean, you know, he's low man on the totem pole. Like, I know, but he's, he's got he's, a perfect uh, name for a seaman. I mean, he was going to grow into a huge, like a great seaman. Oh, whoa. Jeez. <laughs> So anyways, um, everyone's fairly experienced. Richard Parker being the least experienced, but whatever. He's used to boats, inshore waters, first time out on the open seas. On July 5th, as they're sailing, making their way downtown to Cape Town. I'm not going to stop. So they left on May 19th. It's now July Um, the minionette gets sunk by a giant fucking wave. And as the ship is sinking, the four seamen are able to get in the dinghy. And uh, I cannot stop. stop. The four seamen get in the dinghy. Problem is, uh, as the ship is sinking, they realize they really only grabbed two one pound tins of turnips they didn't have any water they didn't have any other food except for two pounds of turnip turnips sorry not yeah nips make sure you get the nips get the nips put them in the dinghy semen so this is is the best uh, story of my life the mignonette goes down and over the next 12 12 (laughs) fucking days these four guys are living off of two pounds of turnips. Jesus, I can't say that fucking word because of y'all. Okay. (laughs) 12 days of turnips. My true love gave to me. The captain, Dudley, had been using his penknife to ration out these turnip portions. And everyone's kind of slowly starving. You know, Uh, they are able to catch a turtle poor turtle they ate the meat of the turtle uh, but and they've been kind of catching water whenever squalls brew up um but really you know they're obviously slowly dying so five days later by july 17th all supplies or no wait that doesn't make sense but july 17th all the supplies on board of the dinghy are severely exhausted and a <laughs> Three days later, Richard Parker, the kid, is mm-hmm. like cabin boy. He's like, I can't fucking take it. And he starts chugging like seawater, which mm. is Ooh. very bad to do, though it has been found recently that it is possible to like drink tiny little bits of salt water if you are like in this situation, if you drink a little, little bits, it's not going to fuck you up as much as like chugging salt water. Well, but back then 
you know, all the sailors knew like you don't drink salt water. It'll just give you the shits. That'll dehydrate you even more and you'll fucking die. So all the other seamen are like, dang, please don't do that in this dinghy. And Richard Parker is like, oh my God, I feel like shit. He's shitting his brain out, brains out, violently ill, collapses on and at the bottom of the boat. And Tom Dudley, the captain, is like, all right, y'all. I mean, I know we've been out here for a fucking while. And this kid, he's kind of going crazy. And this kid, he's kind of doing it to himself. And the other two mates are like what eat him eat him they're like i do not want to do this however he is (laughs) basically sick to death none of us are going to survive at this rate anyways so i don't know and they're like okay let's wait a couple more days they wait a few more days and he's just not improving obviously he's like at the brink of death and Dudley, the captain is like, all right, one of you hold down his legs. I'm going to stab him with my pen knife. He's like, I've got kids. You've got kids. This is just a kid. He didn't have (laughs) a kid. He took diarrhea all over the dinghy. And uh, so that's, they're like, fuck okay so captain tom pokes his knife into his jugular the other uh sailor or one of them's you know holding his legs down the other sailor has like a fucking cup or something and is able to like collect a bunch of the blood which they all drink because they haven't had any water so they're just like drinking as much blood as they can. Um, Isn't that just salt water with a little extra seasoning? I mean, it is pretty salty. I would imagine. It's definitely worse for you. I don't know. So um, the three crew members drink as much blood as they can. Um, after Parker fully dies, uh, they strip and butcher him. The heart and the liver were eaten immediately. Flesh and muscles were cut from his limbs and set aside for future re- rations. And then they dumped the rest of him overboard. Uh, they ate this for several days, but you know, also you're out in the middle of a sunny ocean, like, that meat's not just going to fucking keep. So it's mm. starting to rot. Ugh, and ugh. they're like, well, shit, are we going to have to kill another one of us again? But they didn't end up having to because on July 29th, after the men had been adrift for 24 days, they see a ship on the horizon. And the mm. Moctezuma not Montezuma, Moctezuma, a German vessel bound for Hamburg, uh, saw the dinghy (laughs) and they come to the aid of the three emaciated crew members. Uh, They're like, oh my God, here, eat all this food. This is going to be okay. Don't worry. Guess what? It definitely was not okay. 
So everybody is hearing the story of the mignonette sinking and this kind of heroic-ish tale of them surviving at sea. And, you know, the captain who was like a good guy generally and was not like trying to cover up the fact that they had, you know, had to resort to cannibalism. It's like the way of the sea. All sailors know this, like, Sometimes shit gets Sometimes. down to it and you this is what fucking happens. And yeah. it was a necessity and we did what we had to do to survive. Quote, sure. Dudley made no attempt to hide or gloss over the sad fate of Richard Parker. He was a forthright, honest man. And to his mind, killing and consuming Parker was a tragic necessity. Okay. Authorities in Britain were like, uh, 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 I'm not sure about this. And the Board of Trade was required to report any violent deaths that happened at sea ever. So they report it. They send a telegram to London and they're like, okay, I guess we'll go arrest these guys. So Dudley and the guy who held down the legs were the only two that got arrested. The third one, they were like, well, you were just there and drank a bunch of blood. So you're fine. <laughs> um, so they go, yeah. yeah, they, British law is awesome. Yeah. You know, they, 10 years previously, a similar case had happened. It was in the wrecks, the wreck of the Euxine, E-U-X-I-N-E. Um, and in that situation, they had like drawn straws basically. And the short straw, they ended up killing the guy and eating him and they were like nope we're not okay with this and all those motherfuckers went to jail which is unfortunate um it was a big huge deal and so the mignonette crew stuff was a big -er deal because of that they get arraigned for murder and everybody at the courtroom like everyone's like we're in favor of letting these guys go clearly they were doing what they could to survive. It's not their fault. Even Richard Parker's brother, Daniel, who was a sailor, shook hands with Dudley and the first mate and were like, we get it. You know, we're we had to live with them. We, you know, I mean, dud. yeah, we talk about drinking salt water. They're like, we, Ugh. we get it. So the trial begins in November 1884. The judgment was basically predetermined. They were going to stick it to them. And um, the defense case was pretty weak and they deliver a guilty verdict. Um, despite that, the jury was still like super reluctant to actually dole any type of capital offense out um, because it would condemn them to execution but uh, the judge in this case was like, okay, well, we can do a special verdict. Um, so it shot it up to an even higher court. And from there, they were convicted of murder, not by a jury of their peers, but a, by a panel of five judges. And this required the senior judge to sentence the semen to death um, for several Dead days. Semen. No pardon. The thought behind this though was that a pardon would come from like the crown or something like that and so days go by there's no 
pardon coming. And so wait, they did it as like a publicity stunt. I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like we're gonna, you're we're sentencing you to death. I think they wanted to be like you can't. Like we're really doing it. Kind of like (laughs) you can't kill people. Like we don't want to condone murdering somebody, Mm -hmm. but also we get it. But also we can't. (laughs) Um. So in the end. Um. The Home okay. Secretary settled. Um, hold on. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Home Office, which is the governing body, uh, hesitated over an appropriate response to their execution condemnation. The murderers, it was felt, could not walk completely free of the punishment if full on pardoned. So, in the end, the Home Secretary settled on a sentence of six months imprisonment. And Dudley and Stevens, the first mate, were dispatched to Holloway Prison to serve out their term. Um, The Mininette trial was largely reviewed as a complete mess. Uh, It's still taught in common law schools to uh, always pay attention to the complexities involved in pleading necessity as a defense for murder because okay. that is what it ultimately came down to and why they were kind of basically pardoned given that six month sentence. So the funner facts about the name Richard Parker. So Dick Parker, not yes. Dick Parker uh. starts out. This is real quick in the 17 late 1700s a guy named Richard Parker so this is before this situ- the mignonette happened about 100 years before he is uh in the navy uh he fucking sucks at it he's like a kind of entitled little bitch baby um he never wants to like put away the stuff and so they're like fuck you they he gets put on the HMS sandwich woo, um, <laughs> and a mutiny breaks out on the sandwich. Richard. Was it a sub? No, no. Yes. No, it was good. I get it though. It was actually a grinder. Um, so, <laughs> oh, then it was full of semen. There you go. It was full of semen. Uh, mutiny breaks out. This Richard Parker guy is elected basically the mutineers representative and long story short, he ends up getting hanged by the British Navy because of he was the leader of this mutiny. So that's strike number one against the name Richard Parker. When it comes to seamen strike number two, after reading about this mutiny and the fate of Richard Parker number one, Edgar Allan Poe decides to write a novel. In this novel, a mutiny happens. A guy, the main guy is named Richard Parker. Mm-hmm. And uh, hold on, wait, no, I'm reading it wrong. Psych, two seconds. Uh 1837, Edgar Allan Poe's 
book. It's called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Um, <laughs> Poe's character, <laughs> Richard Parker, leads a mutiny, but it goes wrong. It's aboard a ship called the Grampus, but the shipwreck. Stop he it. finds himself adrift with. So Richard Parker in the novel is adrift with the guy in the title, Gordon. And uh, just like the crew of the Mignonette, they end up starving to death and fucking Richard Parker draws the short straw in Edgar Allan Poe's story and ends up mm. getting eaten by his crewmates. Mm-hmm. Then hop to what? Like 40 years later, it literally actually happens in real life. And that's where our bud Richard Parker, the actual guy I talked about the whole time, cabin boy ends up getting eaten. So that's three bad Richard Parker's. And final fun oh. fact about the name Richard Parker. Um, oh, no. That is who, uh, in Life of Pi, the tiger's name is Richard Parker. And what? if you read oh, Richard what? Parker or saw, or read Life of Pi or saw the movie Life of Pi, Richard Parker, the tiger, is named after all these Richard Parkers that came before him because he survives the fucking ship going down. Wow. Uh, nuts. We were just supposed to know that. You do now. That, well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk to you before every movie I watch because <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, maybe <laughs> only if it's based on a book because I don't know if movie screenwriters would go that deep into naming a character after some tragic shit. Damn. That's lines in the sandwich. No offense. But yeah. Damn. Richard Parker, very unlucky name to be a seaman and have. So don't do that. Movie writers, you're you're dumber than a novelist. (laughs) Oh no. We learned a lot. Just that one story. We learned multiple things. Yeah. We all had trials in ours. I think and tribulations. Trials. <laughs> yeah. Tribulations. That's it. That's it. That's it. So dang. We had a lot of people eating out other people, if you read between the lines. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Hey, did that guy really get eaten by that whale? Eaten? Ate? Eaten. What? Hey, what? The whale. Did the man. Mm. What? Okay. No. Mm-mm. You mean like Moby this, Dick? No. This dude was like, yo, I got ate by a whale and then spit out. This was like three days ago. I'm gonna have to And I'm that. asking I'm asking if it really happened, and I need you to tell me before we end this podcast. I feel like maybe you had a really awesome dream. No. I mean, I could see, like, maybe if you got sucked into, like, the outer portion of, like, a baleen whale's baleen and you just didn't go into the mouth all the way, you know? Like, clearly it's there to filter plankton. A human body isn't going to fit through it. Do you have the internet pulled up? I mean, I think I have to since we're doing it over the internet. Mm -hmm. Man, 
Okay, just look. Yeah, man swallowed by whale. A humpback whale. Oh, swallowed a lobster. Not a baleen. No, it's not. Humpback's got, hmm. you know, like one. Well, that's how it. Yeah, all those noises. <laughs> all those noises. Mm-hmm. The classic mm-hmm. whale noise. Well, uh-huh. yeah, man. This lobster diver was swallowed and then spit out. That sucks. I believe it. I bet humpback whales yeah. spit out big fish that they can't swallow all the time. Yeah, they're if, probably like, "Oops, you can't swallow I did it. it again." Right. So that's from that's from four days ago, right? It's like man gets eaten by. I see, whale. like one day ago, but yeah, from three days ago, doctors doubt lobster man's claim he was swallowed by oh, a humpback no. whale. Oh no! This is. Like, no one can really tell if it's true or not. He also claims to have Well, you know what they should caught- do? They should, get, they should get three of the women from the village to, to go look while he's sleeping. To go, you know, feel that, feel that whale up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check him out for whale part, whale bits. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can put the whale on trial. Mm-hmm. I was inside it. I was inside its mouth. It tried to eat me. <laughs> oh, man. How many times have I said that? Oh. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Mayo believed it was a young whale. Okay. Oh. That's that up. I don't know. Okay. Um. <laughs> Well, uh, what is you know, tonight? <laughs> nobody knows. I'm actually shocked y'all didn't hear about that whale. I didn't, I didn't know. That seemed like the kind of news I would get. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> well, I guess we'll never know if the man got ate by that whale. <laughs> no one will ever know. Or it'll be like, you know, if you like, weeks from now and it'll just be a big scandal because he claimed to have been eaten by a whale and now he's a liar. Okay, but imagine imagine if the scandal is that the whale walks up on shore and waves and starts talking like how we talk. (laughs) That's all I've ever wanted. Oh, hey guys. Hey, y'all. It's me. Hey, I just want to say, I wasn't trying to eat him. That's just how I say hi. He taught me to wave. A little kid. (laughs) I want all of this to happen. It doesn't make any sense that I like it. No, it's perfect. I like it. Mm. Oh, God. Well, y'all. Well. Thanks for listening. Follow us, rate us, do all those things if you want to, and have a whale of a tail. Time oh, come join me in not the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> we know about that. We know about that. You can find us at Whale Brunch. And- mm-hmm. <laughs> Having Whale Brunch in the Gulf of Mexico. Because right. they live there. They, they do live there. Ah, oh, they don't. <laughs> <laughs>